Hello, and welcome to Essential Alchemy. Alchemy is defined as a power of process that changes or transforms something in a mysterious or impressive way. My hope is that the information in this podcast can help you transform your mood, your energy, your physical health, or even help connect some dots and help you shift your mental and emotional state. I'm your host, Jody Cohn, a best-selling author, award-winning journalist, functional practitioner, lifelong learner, and founder of Vibrant Blue Oils, a company that sells proprietary blends of alchemical essential oil remedies designed to return you to optimal mental, physical, and emotional balance. You can find out more about me and my company at vibrantblueoils.com. And with that, let's get started with today's episode. Jody Cohn, and I'm very excited to welcome Dr. Maya Shetri. She is a neurologist, an herbalist, an urban from farmer, the author of The Dirt Cure. She's also the founder of the Terrain Institute, where she teaches terrain medicine, earth-based programs for transformational healing. She works and studies with indigenous communities and healers in Ecuador, and is a lifelong student of plant healing and ethnobotany. Mm-hmm. Land on that for a second. What is ethnobotany? Ethnobotany is um, basically the study of um, how different cultures, you know, ancient, indigenous, and other cultures interact with plants, um, you know, physically, spiritually, all different ways. That's amazing. And we're, we're going to geek out on the parasympathetic nervous system and also some really easy earth-based practices that you can do to kind of nourish and balance your parasympathetic state. So Maya, if, if you can just take off with that and, and talk a little bit about the parasympathetic state and, and how plants can help um, nourish you. Absolutely. So, you know, I think um, I'm a I have always been kind of obsessed with the parasympathetic nervous system. And part of the reason is in my practice where I, I uh, would see children and adults, um, it was so common. Um, I noticed for, you know, decades that um, everyone was so much in sympathetic overdrive and we live in this culture right now that is very sympathetic dominant. It's all about action. It's all about doing things. It's all about achieving. It's all about kind of like stressing to get to the next level, to be perfect, to do all these things. And, you know, it's so internalized. I think that um, we don't even realize it and how we operate or how we have our children operate. So um, what ends up happening is that we're in this um, fight or flight state, right? Which the sympathetic state is, I mean, you know, we could get more into that. It's the kind of fight, flight, or freeze, right? Where there's this, all these ways that we kind of um, are really activated, overactivated, and we have cortisol coursing through our veins, like our stress hormones are going. And, um, you know, we're, our, 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 blood is kind of pumping to our limbs, but not really pumping to our organ systems as well as it could be. And our digestion shuts down. There are all these different things that we don't even, you know, someone comes to me and says like, I'm really constipated or my kid is really constipated. One of the things I'm always thinking about is, are you in sympathetic 
overdrive, you know, yes. because your gut's going to shut down. And so if you're not moving your bowels, it could be not because of, not to say that it's one issue all the time, but so many people who are overstressed, it's, it's such a, a foundational yes. part of recalibrating your digestive tract, you know, and your digestive health, which is so foundational for so many other things as, as you know, we know now, um, just to be more in balance between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. And it's not to say, you know, everything in nature is about balance. And yes. we, we love to, um, you know, we love to kind of uh, demonize like, oh, sympathetic or inflammation or like, there's a role for the sympathetic nervous system. We yes. need that. Yes. You know, in balance with the parasympathetic. In balance, right? And so, um, you know, and, and so as we know more and more about what the parasympathetic nervous system does, right, it's the rest and digest. So we digest better. We have more blood flow to mm-hmm. um, our organ systems, you know, mm-hmm. which for our bodies, it's like, that's kind of a luxury, you know, as opposed to like, if you have to run away from like the lion, you need to have blood coursing to your brain and to your limbs, you know, but um, so it's kind of luxurious for your body to say, Ooh, like we're going to digest. And so you have time to go poop, you know, or you're, you're going to get all the blood flowing to your organs. And so they're nourished and then they can like, we can, you know, detoxify, um, you know, whatever's in, you know, whatever's in there that needs to be moved out or, um, we're going to sleep well. This is, you know, and these are, I think so many of us, because we do live in sympathetic overdrive, either periodically or ongoing, you know, we do think of these things as luxuries, right? Detoxifying is kind of a luxury. Sleeping is a luxury. Taking those moments of rest and digest are actually, because of our culture, you know, um, they are luxuries. So, but what's really fascinating to me is, um, that they're actually, I mean, they're not luxuries and they're very foundational to it our It should be part of the cycle. Yes. And that's that's why I think it connects with nature to me. Like there's always an ebb and a flow in the cycle mm-hmm. and you don't just get stuck at night, you know? Right, right. It's exactly, it's a cyclical thing, just like nature is cyclical. And so we are intended to have our activated times and our deactivating times. And if we have a balance, it's perfect. It's the same with inflammation. And the reason I bring that up is because um, inflammation has a really bad rap, you know, because it does, it is sort of the immune system kind of lobbing grenades in the body, you know, to kind of, um, and and that can be to protect, it can be to um, actually destroy uh, synaptic connections in the brain that are no longer important or useful. Um, You know, there's a very important role for inflammation in the body. It's when it gets out of control, it's a problem. Well, you know, about 10 years ago, I found this really cool paper. And of course, there's been a lot more published since then that shows that the vagus nerve, which is um, an ancient, it's a part of our primitive nervous system. And it's a meandering nerve. It doesn't really almost make any sense in the body from a anatomical perspective. It goes, (laughs) you know, from the gut and it meanders its way up through um, you know, the diaphragm and the lungs and the heart and kind of moves its way through all the way to the brainstem. You know, so here we have this meandering nerve that's part of our ancient nervous system. And when it's activated, 
it actually is activating the parasympathetic nerves, nervous system. It's modulating right. the nervous system. And, and um, it's cool because it connects all different parts of the nervous system, right? It's like the gut, which yeah. we know is now an important part. It's the, the um, diaphragm and our breathe, our respiratory rate. It's our heart rate, right? All of these things, it's our brainstem. But what's so interesting is it also modulates inflammation yeah. in, a, in a millisecond to millisecond way. So when you're stimulating your sympathetic nervous system, you're, you're more likely to go into like a inflammatory mode. And if you have allergies or autoimmune disease or really any kind of chronic condition, that inflammation might just become to be too much. You know, it might really cause problems. The parasympathetic nervous system and the vagus nerve is the way we balance that out so that it doesn't go too out of control. We get the inflammation that we need to be healthy, but we don't go into overdrive, you know? And so, um, I love, you know, this idea of engaging with our parasympathetic nervous system and really nourishing it and paying attention to that balance, not saying, Oh, like being in fight or flight, it's horrible. If it's too much, it is a problem. Just like if we were always in kind of this, like, you know, like sort of lazy resting, you know, kind of mode, you know, that, that is its own issue too. Like, I think there's a, you know, and everyone has their particular balance. Exactly. Exactly. And I love, um, I was hoping you could dig deeper into how like earth-based practices can help because the earth is so in balance. We have the seasons, we have the tides, we have the moon cycles and how um, that can help us to kind of remember our own balance. Absolutely. I think, you know, First of all, we evolved with the, we evolved with the natural world and um, all aspects of the natural world. So you know there are certain things like um, I'm just going to give an example of like sounds that are very regulating to us, um, like the chirping of birds, you know, like um, the the like waves, right? Yes. Why when I do workshops with people. Um, or with my students. And I say, you know, where do you imagine yourself that is like the happy place, that place that really feels like calm and safe, and all of those things, you know, it'll be eight out of 10 people will say, um, by a lake or by the beach, you know, listening to the lapping water, listening to the waves. There's a reason for that. It's those rhythms, which are very I love that. Or the sound of rain outside when you're safe and warm. Yes. Yes. Or for me, if I go out in that rain, (laughs) (laughs) that's where you will find me um, is running out, especially in summer rain. But um, yeah, I mean, these are really, really, um, you know, we've evolved over since the beginning of time, you know, to be regulated by these, to be regulated by the sunrise Mm -hmm. and the sunset. Yes. we're so drawn to those times of day, you know, and they're, they're part of it is this um, regulatory function that they actually have in terms of like light and drawing us to them and looking at the horizon. I mean, all of these different practices are incredibly regulating to the nervous system. Um, and there's a lot of data around this too. So one example that I'll use is actually going into the forest. So forest bathing, which is, um, you know, based in the term Shinrin-yoku, which is a, a Japanese term. And it's a cultural practice. I always laugh because, you know, when I kind of caught on to this whole forest bathing thing, you know, like a decade ago, and I would meet people from Japan, you know, and I'd say, oh, yes, like they say, 
that's just like what we do. Why are you talking yeah. about it? It's like this special <laughs> thing, you know? Um, but really there's, because it is a practice in Japan and it's kind of prescribed as preventive medicine in some cases, there's all this fascinating data that um, looks at both the subjective experience of being Im- immersing yourself in the beauty of the forest in a you know yes. relatively regular way, like maybe every three weeks or so, or, um, you know, even objective data. So some of the things that have been um, published around forest bathing is um, you are more creative, you have better executive function, better right. focus, um, more organized, sleep better, feel happier, right? So is there, I mean, I'm not aware of any pill, (laughs) any (laughs) pharmaceutical, any real practice that does necessarily all of those things. Um, And and then there are these physical measures as well, objective physical laboratory measures where they measured cortisol levels, which is the stress hormone that we release from our adrenals. Um, And cortisol levels... Um, go down. You know, yes. when we're in sympathetic overdrive, we have a lot of cortisol very often. When we're more parasympathetically balanced, our cortisol levels will, you know, go down to kind of their base base point. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing was actually that the immune system functions better. Right. So the non-specific immune system. And so you have a increase of natural killer cells. And that sounds kind of malevolent, but natural killer cells are actually, you know, you want those for, you know, situations where you're encountering a novel virus, for example, or, you know, any kind of challenge that comes your way. It's like, you don't have to have seen it before because your natural killer cells just kind of know to go after things that are not familiar. Um, And then also anti-cancer proteins increase when you're in the forest. So you're actually fighting, you know, you're actually staying in balance because all the time, every person makes cancer cells a little, you know, that's a normal part of our function. But what we need is for our immune system um, and our bodies to just keep that in check, right? So that's part of the job every day of our, of our immune system and our nervous system to be making sure that our anti-cancer proteins are activated, our natural killer cells are doing what they need to do so that we, you know, so that we deal, stay in, in healthy balance, you know, and in that's, our body. That's a great point. When the parasympathetic state is activated, your immune system is more on. So yeah. Thank you. And I'm curious because you mentioned um, sound. One of the things I read about forest bathing is that it's the smells. I think the secret language of trees talks about how trees release smells to communicate. And then also the, the visual and the touch. Do you feel like kind of being in your body and activating your senses helps you to get into the parasympathetic state? Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, we could talk about so many different ways and you just did, right? Like, so through, you know, and I know this is one of your areas of expertise, but, you know, when we're smelling, you know, these kinds of phytochemicals, you know, they're going directly to our primitive brain. Smell is the, is the one sense that is not processed by our brain. So we don't have any commentary before it gets directly to like, you know, our amygdala and sends us into, um, you know, childhood state or memories or whatever. And that can sometimes be activating and, you know, not a great way for some people, but it's very often, you know, can be very soothing, especially in the forest. And what I think in particular, when we smell nature smells and we hear nature sounds, 
is it awakens something in us that's very ancient, where we have these collective memories of being deeply uh, aligned with the natural world. And of course, I haven't even gotten into ingesting plants, you know, as herbal medicine or as food, but all of those different memories kind of awaken in us. And I think we have an epigenetic um, activation that happens when we spend time in the forest or for that matter, you know, in any natural setting, particularly if we have memories from this, you know, from our current experiences, yeah. you know, um, that it, it can really awaken these, um, you know, something that we hold very deep inside. It's like we reboot to factory settings where it just mm. resets our system. Yeah, can can you talk so. a bit more about herbal medicine and gardening? Those are, those are great points that I want to make sure. Yeah. I mean, I think just to, you know, in the one other thing I didn't mention about being in, in the forest that I think translates also into gardening and, and um, you know, being um, connecting with plants is um, there's also this, um, there's also this microbiome that we share, you know, um, and everyone likes to kind of go in and look at, oh, like, well, um, you get these benefits from nature because, you know, of the smell of trees or the smell of soil, or it's because of the sounds or it's because of the microbiome. But really, you know, it's, it's probably so complex because it's like, we're a universe and then the, the world around us, the, the plant world, just a little area of the woods is its own universe or many universes. So here we are in this like shared kind of, um, you know, we're in this sh like a constellation in a sense in this yeah. very complex system. And so, um, you know, I, I like to just, you know, say we can try to identify a lot of factors and I think they're all true. Um, but in the garden, one of the ways that we activate the parasympathetic nervous system is through soil-based organisms. And um, of course, a lot of people may know now that pharmaceutical companies are actually now developing the next generation of antidepressants, not you know, from a, a chemical or with this idea of, you know, we have um, you know, a deficiency of a particular chemical necessarily, but more with the idea of um, that particular organisms stimulate our bodies and our brains to function differently. And what we know is that there are certain soil organisms in particular that actually um, help treat anxiety, that they shift people's anxiety or shift people's depression. Um, and the whole field, you know, is now called psychobiotics because it's like a probiotic, right? It's like a, a micro. Yeah, your, your um, dirt cure was ahead of the time, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. And so, you know, gardening, you know, you're going to get this experience. And this is sort of a little more mystical, but actually very based in science. And as you know, I teach about this too, is this, um, ex this experience of, of um, plant consciousness, right? That there's this whole literature now that plants really live in community. They um, help each other in particular ways. They hinder each other in particular ways. They reach out to other um, species and living beings in different ways. And um, the data is just becomes more and more complex and more and more fascinating. But when we're gardening, you know, um, or ingesting plants for that matter, 
we are in this relationship, this intimate relationship. And one of my teachers of ethnobotany, who is also a fourth generation shaman, um, used to talk about um, that just when you're with a plant and you're experiencing that plant, um, it actually, you create new chemicals, shared new chemicals together as if you're in love, you know, the same way you might be with a person when you're in love. And um, so it's really interesting to think of the, the ways that working with plants, being with plants um, can actually activate um, this parasympathetic state. Um, and an example of that that I love to bring up because I think most people can relate is, is actually when we exchange flowers with somebody, right? So like, why do we um, give flowers to someone when we're in love with them or when we appreciate them or when they're grieving, you know, or when we want to celebrate them. It's because flowers, that exchange, that um, there is a connection that we have with, with flowers and with the natural world that, that actually changes us. It changes um, our experience. And certainly that can happen too. And when you're just walking, I went for a run in the woods the other day um, and suddenly um, there was this fragrance that just materialized and I couldn't find the source. I was looking and looking and looking. And finally I was like, I'm just going to have, I'm just going to take a moment and immerse myself in it and offer gratitude and, and move on from, you know, just appreciate it. And so that's the other piece that I think is, really critical in all earth-based practices, whether it is gardening um, and having that grounding relationship with the earth, which we can talk about, whether it's hugging a tree, whether it's um, standing in the rain, whether it's seeing a beautiful flower, walking in the woods, um, or listening to a bird or discovering a beautiful, you know, hawk in the sky or whatever those things are, um, that there is a feeling of appreciation and gratitude that we can fall into and awe. And when we are in that state, our heart rate changes and our heart rate variability changes. And this is something also that's been studied where we go into this very particular state that is called coherence by the HeartMath Institute. And when we're in that state, our parasympathetic nervous system is being very toned. It's being very nourished. Um, in a state of gratitude and appreciation. And from the work that I've done with indigenous communities and what I've learned working with plants for, you know, most of my life is that that is our role, in fact, is to, to, in nature, is to offer gratitude and appreciation and to engage in that relationship, um, that intimate relationship, just as if it were a person that you love. When we're in that state, our nervous systems, um, our heart for one thing, like actually our heart, the electromagnetic field of our heart regulates all the organ systems in our bodies and our parasympathetic nervous systems so that we um, are operating at an optimal state from a nervous system perspective, from a mental health standpoint, where actually when you're in this state of gratitude and appreciation, You actually have, um, there's, and this has been studied, less anxiety, less depression, um, 
fewer, uh, less OCD for people who struggle with that. Um, lower levels of psychotic events for people who actually struggle with that. I mean, things that, you know, sure, we could say, yeah, it makes me feel less anxious. But for people who really have clinical issues um, that interfere with their daily lives in very significant ways, being in that state of gratitude and appreciation, um, that, that is our role, you know, and a practice and a discipline for us, that can change their whole experience, not to mention lower blood pressure, you know, lower cortisol, all the things that we talked about. Yeah, you, you've touched on so many things. I didn't want to interrupt you because it was genius. <laughs> um, but gratitude has made the biggest impact in my own life because you can't really, it's almost like the brain can't multitask. You can't be angry about something and be in gratitude at the same time. And so it changes lanes and then it allows you to calm down and, and relax. I love what you were talking about with um, plants and the love connection. Lynn Taggart actually calls the vagus nerve the love nerve. Mm-hmm. And there's this whole idea that, um, you know, when you're in fight or flight, you hyper focus. And so you can't actually be in relationship and have a rational, thoughtful conversation because you're really just focusing on that one thing. So I do think there's also something about nature being so expansive and, you know, surrounding that allows us to kind of get out of that hyper focus and really open ourselves in our heart. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's kind of trauma vision that, right. If you think about that sympathetic dominance right. and being in that stress state that you're talking about, um, it's because you need to be able to see your path of escape to run away from that lion. Right. And I know I'm kind of oversimplifying it, but I do think it's helpful. It just sort of helps us remember. Oh, I, think, I think it's brilliant. You know, but if, but when you're in a parasympathetic state, when you're in that love state, in fact, it allows you to have multi-directional vision. And that has to do with being able to kind of subtle, it's, it allows you to have subtle awareness, which is something that I teach um, and something that I practice. And it's a practice. It really is to get out of that kind of, I just have to like take the steps in front of me and get out of the situation and to be like, Oh, like what's around me. And for me, another earth-based practice is um, I forage for mushrooms Um, and I forage for plants as well. You know, I do a little bit of wild crafting with plants as an herbalist um, and, and I do it very carefully. And, you know, I think everyone needs to kind of know what they're doing when they do it, but um, hopefully you'll teach us all that. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm now foray. I'm foraying into teaching herbalism now. Um, so yeah, but but what happens is um, subtle awareness is a critical part of being in nature. You will see things you never imagined you could see. And one of the tricks a lot of mushroomers will talk about is if you look directly, you will not see the mushroom because they're designed to be hidden. You have to look out of the sides of your vision, right? So that's, that's exactly so interesting. What we're talking about is 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 expanding your awareness and walking with mm-hmm. a full awareness. And nature allows us to do that and actually primes us for all the you know for all the in all the ways that we talked about. Um, you know that our cortisol drops and our focus and creativity increases, and you know all of those things that then you can see the things that are around you that are there to nourish you. Um, you can see that you know morel growing and you know or the chanterelles growing. You can see um, you know I I found lion's mane last year for the first time. It was like the happiness I can't really describe lion's mane mushroom, and it was growing in a log 
inside the log and somehow I was walking with my, my two sons and um, I suddenly just was like pulled there um, as we were about to leave the woods and, and it was lion's mane. And I don't know how, you don't even know how you see it. It calls yes. you. Yes. Well, there's, you know? there's a surrender process. And I mean, as, as a recovering type A, you called me right after my son died and um, told me that this was, you know, I couldn't see it, but it would open me up. And I think that when you surrender kind of what you think you're supposed to do and what you're really attached to, well, it's the same kind of thing. Like you're so hyper-focused. It's almost like looking through a toilet paper roll. You can't see everything else. And when you let go or are forced to let go from your own tragedy, all of a sudden these other possibilities open up and things that you never would have considered if you'd stayed hyper-focused. And sometimes those possibilities are, you know, make life so much easier and they're so much better than what you could have muscled through. Absolutely. You know, and I think that's, we have choices sometimes around that because of course, whatever's happening to us, you know, and this is its own conversation that we could have separately, but whatever's happening to us may or may not feel like something within our control, often not within our control. Yes. Um, But what we can control is, you know, how we navigate, how we comport ourselves through it, how we um, engage and the practices that we use, the tools that we use to really walk through it, which for me, I believe, you know, um, there are so many earth-based practices that are accessible right now, inexpensive or free and available to, to most people Um, Even if you're in your house, like one of the things that I I teach about and and do and practice myself is creating an altar, a little sacred space or a mandala using, um, and it can be little bits of earth, right? I mean, you pick up like, it doesn't have to be, you know, fancy. It can be gravel from your driveway or a a stone that calls you. A flower. You know, and it doesn't have, and you know, and you can use things in, in creative ways, Um, you know, along with other beautiful, special things you might have, you might have like a beautiful, fancy crystal or, you know, some very special photograph or a jewel or a gem. I mean, whatever, all of those things can be a part of it, but creating something just from your own kind of as a moving meditation um, and accessing some um, kind of connected creative place and making something a healing landscape for yourself from things that are generally, you know, earth-based, this is a way to bring kind of nature and bring mother earth to you, even if you're not in a position right now or at any point in time to get out into nature. And I actually do that, you know, when I travel, I always find a few bits of nature from the place where I am, you know, where I've traveled to, maybe I have certain things I bring as well that I travel with, and I create some kind of shared landscape to um, kind of greet and, um, you know, ask permission in a sense for me to be in this place. So these are ways that I like to teach about that um, open that intimate conversation that I was talking about before with the natural world um, and, and really activate and nourish our, our parasympathetic state, that safe space um, helps us find that safe space, which some of us really have to you know, find a roadmap to the safe space that's inside of us. And that's always there. Um, you know, sometimes we, we, we never even really knew where that place was. So all of these practices are ways to um, nourish 
the parasympathetic state and to find that safe space within um, and feel kind of connected to, um, you know, all of these different elements that are around us that are here um, to nourish, you know, through cycles of nature to help nourish that um, parasympathetic state. So beautiful. This this was so incredibly valuable, and I have no doubt people are going to want to keep learning from you. Can you help them? Where, where can they find you? Um, best place to go is to my website, which is um, drmaya d r m a y a dot com, and um, they'll find there my programs that I teach about plants, about earth based practices, um, and then they can always connect with me. I'm pretty active on Instagram, um, and uh, that's at drmayashitreat. Um, and yes, that is my real name. <laughs> and she um, treats. yeah, and then they can check out my book, The Dirt Cure, which is a great book. And, and you are a treat. And thank you so much. It was wonderful. And this, this was such great information. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening. I hope this podcast empowered you with some useful information and takeaways. If you like this episode, please consider sharing a positive review and consider subscribing. I would also love to offer you my free parasympathetic toolkit as a gift just for listening. It will teach you how to activate the most important nerve in your body to turn on your ability to heal. This free toolkit includes a checklist, a video, and a detailed guide. If this podcast prompted any questions, you can always find answers on my blog at Vibrant Blue Oils or in my book, Essential Oils to Boost the Brain and Heal the Body. Until next time, wishing you vibrant health.